This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, it's Tuesday, November 14th, and welcome to Papercuts, your very own Minister for Common Sense, here to rip through the press and pull out the bits that matter. If you're enjoying the show, remember you can get episodes ad-free and with special bonus content by backing us. Just visit back.papercutsshow.com, that's B-A-C-K dot to find out how. There's a link in the show notes. Now, here are the headlines for today's edition. Cam again. David Cameron returns to frontline politics. Poor little rich boy. Jeff Bezos' wife insists he's a really fun bloke. And laid bare. The Guardian somehow makes getting naked on TV sound dull. Welcome to Paper Cuts, where we read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Papercuts, and here we go with a bunch of deadline day news. Today, I'm joined by Politics Joe reporter Ava Santina. Hello, Ava. Good morning. And actor and comedian Marcus Brigstock. Hello, Marcus. Hello. So what have we got on the front pages today then? Ava, what have you got there? So the front of The Guardian is Cameron's shock return in the high-stakes reshuffle. So that's yesterday, Rishi Sunak uh, switching about his cabinet and the shock revelation that David Cameron is back and is now a peer. The Telegraph going off the same. Cameron's return sparks Brexiteer backlash. That's a bit more of an accurate headline, actually. I think that's a bit more in line with what the I The Daily Ca- Telegraph does say that everything sparks Brexiteer backlash, unfortunately. <laughs> but, really. you know, until they get Brexit, they won't be happy. Um, <laughs> front of the eye, back to the future, PM gambles on return of David Cameron. And the Times, I'm going to shock you, it's Cameron again. Sunak brings Cameron back from the wilderness. Marcus, what have you got on your end? Uh, well, it's much the same, to be honest. Uh, the, 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 I've got one special treat at the end. You'll love it. Uh, the Daily Mail have got Rishi's big throw of the dice. And then they say in big red letters on the front of the mail, unrivaled reports and analysis. But I've read the other papers and they actually are rivaled. Yeah, I imagine so. And By the other papers. The, the so. Daily Mail does love to brag about itself, doesn't it? You yeah. have to quite admire its its lack of modesty there. And they've included uh, Richard Littlejohn in their unrivaled reports and analysis. <laughs> um, back where we began is the headline in the mirror, same old Tories, literally, as David Cameron comes back 13 years after he left, walked into number 10 to unleash the age of austerity. Um, recall me, Dave. I mean, at least the sun have found the gag. Uh, yeah, reshuffle shock. XPM returns as foreign secretary. And uh, the star, proud to love animals. The bald truth, rise of the slapheads. Yes, at last, a story we can get our teeth into. 88% of women love chrome domes. So uh, this is a story about bald men being incredibly sexy. It's both uh, very complimentary and very insulting to bald men at the same time. Manages That's right. To, to really, really walk <laughs> and chew gum, doesn't it, that front page? <laughs> and to you two, because you've obviously worked hard to keep your follicles 
Yeah, I, I've got too many follicles. Right. Sometimes I feel bad that I complain about it too much, but I need a haircut every well, 10 only 12% days. percent of women fancy you, apparently. Yeah. So. I, I'm only balding uh, on the top, so it's really only very tall women who fancy me. <laughs> <laughs> David Cameron said he was the future once, and now he's very much the present again after joining Sunak's front bench as foreign secretary. Ava, this has pretty much swallowed up all of the politics news, hasn't it? It's completely consumed the papers. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, it was the big shock when he got out the... I called it a Range Rover yesterday, and I think I was corrected that it was a Land Rover, so I okay. apologise. <laughs> you yeah. fool. <laughs> yeah. What an idiot. <laughs> so he drove up to Downing Street, shock, he got out the car, and is parachuted in as Foreign Secretary. He's now been made a peer as well, because you need to be a lord in order to be sitting on the cabinet bench. You don't have to be an MP. Yeah, it's really taken everyone aback. I think the biggest story of the day, though, is... Um, just how flat it all is, really. You know, I think we're constantly being told that it's fantastic that the Conservatives have got rid of one evil and they're replacing it with another person and we should be grateful and we should lap up all of our um, all of our luck. But, but you know, it, it's pretty much the same cabinet that we had 10 minutes ago, just with different names in it. Yeah, well, everyone keeps calling David Cameron centrist and I don't know, just because you say it a load of times doesn't actually make it particularly true, does it? Well, I mean, I suppose he's Ramona in chief, right? So he gave us the Brexit referendum and then he famously um, scuttled off to put his trotters up. That twat, um, I believe, was the analysis at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was a pro-Remain prime minister. And I suppose that the, the argument is he appeals to the centrists. But then you would think that the centrists would not like him at all because he started the ball rolling on the calamitous political situation we're in right now. Yeah, Rishi Sunak is very good at making absolutely nobody happy, isn't he? Is this sort of political, <laughs> well, apart, his political skill. Apart from the public schools. Because this is, we are now back um, with the, you know, the most public school cabinet since um, before Boris Johnson, actually. You know, it's nice to have the Eton boys back because now everyone who should be in charge is. Yeah, the grown-ups are in charge and the grown-ups all went to Eton, which is well, it's which a is no, Well, it's, a no, it's actually, <laughs> you know, as a, as a uh, public school boy, proud to have been expelled four times. Um, uh, it's a broad sweep of, uh, of privately educated boarding school boys. There's a, a Carthusian in there, which means he went to Charterhouse. A Carthusian. That should tell you everything <laughs> you need to know. What are you? Oh, I'm an old Carthusian. <laughs> right, you're weird. Uh, a Wickhamist. He's Wickham, isn't he? Rishi Sunak is a, oh, really? is a Wickhamist. Yeah, I always yeah. think that makes him sound like he's into sort of witchcraft. Yes. Uh, well, I think also true, probably. And then uh, Rhys Mogg was being interviewed yesterday on Channel 4 News and said um, uh, 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 an unusually uh, sort of... Um, Interesting interview, I thought, for Rhys Mogg, but he said, it's, of course, very good to see an Etonian back in charge of the Foreign Office. I was like, ah, oh, there he is. Ava, on that point, I mean, on it being very good, how are the papers taking it? Does anyone seem to be thinking it's very good? Is everyone outraged? Or is there a mix across them? I don't think the papers know how to feel. The only one who's really made a decision is The Telegraph. So on the front page of that, you know, it's the Brexiteer backlash. I think that's probably the only take that a journalist or a commentator can have at the moment because it's so shocking. I don't think anyone's really processed it. Apart from David Frost, Lord David Frost, who, of course, was negotiating some of our Brexit deal 
fantastically because we're all reaping the benefits He's of that He's a mega right brain, now. that guy. Yeah, and as we <laughs> talked about earlier, uh, just before we came uh, on to record, you know, it's possible that Lord Frost is particularly upset in The Telegraph this morning because he was not awarded the position that David Cameron was given as foreign secretary. But then I could also, I could imagine him pining for the Brexit secretary role. Yeah. You know, perhaps he felt he should have been parachuted in and he was already a lord. So he wouldn't mm. have even had to go through the, the HOLAC committee to be signed yeah. off. You know, that's the other puzzling thing. How on earth did that committee sign off David Cameron that quickly? Because if you look at the, the kind of the, the smorgasbord of... Um, ills mm. <laughs> that he's you know the scratch card that David Cameron's had over the past couple of years you know he was involved in a lobbying scandal involving the company Greensill he also refused to turn up to a select committee after he basically sent you know allowed Libya to fall into civil war not turning up to a select committee mm. is really bad by the way mm. really bad how on earth did that committee clear him so quickly and decide that he was fit to be in the Lords I mean in the matter of hours yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense to me. I mean, I I still love when he was coming out of the the Landor Range Rover. I'm too much of an oik to know mm-hmm. to know which uh, one it was. When someone can, just went, "What the hell?" at him, and I was like, "That really does sum it up, doesn't I it?" I can confirm you're both wrong. It was neither a Land nor a Range Rover. It was actually a shepherd's hut with a big <laughs> shiny bonnet. Imagine if he had rolled onto Downing Street in the shepherd's hut. Just being pushed from from behind. <laughs> well, Marcus, so the papers are focusing on more bizarre things like the Shepherd's Hut. With uh, the Times too, it's focused on the return of Sam Cam. Yeah. How weird is that? That little piece of news. It's really, really strange. This whole thing has worked. My strong assumption is Rishi Sunak sat there with a spreadsheet of who could possibly take on a ministerial role once he'd finally had to give up on Cruella. Uh, and and someone after an hour or two went, oh, for fuck's sake, we may as well just invite David Cameron back. And he went, wait, <laughs> stop, yes. Hang on, get John Major's number as well. Is Norman Lamont still alive? Uh, and just, <laughs> just started the idea of dragging them in. So I think it's a nonsense. But yeah, T2 have sort of investigated what he's been up to, except they haven't really, because... I'm sure somebody knows what David Cameron's been up to. But from what I hear, it's mostly ringing people who are busy going, um, do you uh, fancy a game of tennis? <laughs> and then going, no, David, I've still got a job. I, I'm, I actually work. Oh, all right. OK, fine. And off he goes. So he, he hasn't, I think, been terribly busy. And the T2's coverage is meh. It just sort of... It gives a, a flavour of what he was like as Prime Minister, but not much of an indication of what he's been doing for 13 years. Has he just been brought in to be a professional schmooze then? As you say, he's kind of yeah, just ringing up busy people. As the, Foreign Secretary, he might just... And there is a thing people. about that. There's a thing about the uh, the office of former Prime Ministers internationally, you know, that, that carries a bit of weight and, you know, it's a perilous situation. I mean... I wonder what the European leaders think of him, of the man who went, yeah, sure, we'll roll the dice and see what happens. And I I sort of think, I don't know why the Brexiteers would be terribly upset about this. I mean, he gave them the referendum. His campaign for us to remain in the European Union was badly enough done that the Brexiteers won. And since then, not only has he left, he's kept shtum about it. He has not, as he should have done, 
come out howling going, you see this thing that I said would happen when I bungled the Remain campaign? It's happening. Trade is down. People are suffering. Businesses are suffering. Movement is suffering, and the one of the big things he was uh, uh, he was sort of castigated for was suggesting that there might be war in Europe again. Now you can't say that the Brexit vote led to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but certainly destabilisation across the EU and the rest of the world, and eyes being taken off Putin and what he was doing has been a contributory factor, definitely. Anyway, he's done sort of nothing, but the Mail, um, I would say are the most excited about this. I mean, most of the papers have sort of treated this like Jerry Halliwell's rejoined the Spice Girls and Robbie Williams has rejoined Take That and then Take That and the Spice Girls have formed Take Spice uh, where everyone's... <laughs> yeah, they're so, so excited, which I think, you know, it's weird, isn't it? It's a weird story. Here we are chatting about it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the male, by the way, have gone... Front page, we'll fill our paper with this. And then pages two and three, just some nice pictures of polar bears. The columnists are the real emotion within the papers, and today they have had quite the meltdown. So let's start with the, the most sane paper of them all, the, the Daily Mail, Marcus. Marcus, Quentin Letts is really quite excited, isn't he, by what is going on here? There are a few things more pleasing in the newspapers than a fizzy Quinton Letts. Uh, and he's, he's as fizzy as all get out here. Uh, I haven't seen him this excitable since uh, Suella Braverman's speech at the party conference. So here's how he describes what's just happened. Walnut veneer suntan, salon schmoozer, crow's feet Dave is ageing like a Fonseca vintage port. What? <laughs> what on earth? Um, uh, I'll just read you the first few lines from here. With a loping gait and a tug on his child's Terwit. Uh, is that Terwit? Uh, Charles Tirwit? Truit? Right. Truit. Tirwit. I don't know. Is that right. the crisps? <laughs> with a loping gait and a tug on his Charles Terowit cuffs <laughs> David Cameron strolled up Downing Street as though he'd barely been away genuine surprises are rare in politics and few photographers were there to snap the scene walnut veneer suntan you're so weird Quentin Letts you're so weird also if it'd been if it looked like he'd never been away then surely no one would be surprised yeah. so it's a complete contradiction of itself straight away I mean he's also got he's also got new home secretary vows to stop the boats as he takes up his latest high-profile position. This was a moment for the Conservatives to reframe that sentence. Stop the boats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The three-word slogan offered up for the thick. They're still hammering it. Anyway, Cleverly is, I assume, waist-deep in the channel right now, batting away dinghies. My guess is Esther McVeigh will be seeking to reduce a needlessly heavy three-word slogan, stop the boats, down to simply two words, stop boats, all, all the boats, and eventually just the word stop. Eventually, the Conservatives will just become onomatopoeic, and it will just be, just be yelps and screams is all they will communicate just be someone going, no. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. 
From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The headlines are often recycled as much as cabinet ministers these days, but when they're special, they can be the best bit of a newspaper. What highlights do we have today then? Ava, what have you got? So Toby Carvery is now selling an entire roast dinner in a sandwich. But I'll just I'll, let me just talk you through the sandwich because it kind of looks actually more like a bagel. It's got a lot of meat in it. So a little, not enough gravy and a Yorkshire pudding on the top. And the um the headline is meat and two bread. That's that's so crap. Yeah, it doesn't really make very much sense, does it? I also think it'd be a very small roast if it can fit the entire thing in the sandwich, can't they- it? Have they put the roast within a sandwich and then added a Yorkshire pudding on top? Yeah. Instead of using a Yorkshire pudding instead of bread, bread yeah. which is what anybody wants. There's a place in Camden that does um, a wrap, a Yorkshire yeah. pudding wrap, and that's actually better for holding the gravy as well, right? Yeah. Because it's it's holding it in there like a cone. Yeah, Whereas nice. in a sandwich, this is just going everywhere. It just looks very, very dry, to be honest. It does look dry. I mean, in what world would you want a whole bottom layer of stuffing? That is way too much stuffing, yeah. isn't it? Also bread-based. So mm. you've got two slices of bread, some bread stuffing, a bread-based Yorkshire pudding, and a thin slice of carvery beef. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we hate the headline and we hate the sandwich, I yeah. suppose. So let's hope that the next headline is slightly dry. better. <laughs> So throughout um, what the last how long has Simpsons been on air? Twenty I think years, thirty five seasons. So I don't know if it's thirty five years, but it's thirty five seasons or wow. something like that. Yeah, big fan of it. I can imagine yeah. you like the Simpsons. Yeah, as well. I'm, I'm pretty. You look like this sort of I guy. think it must be thirty years it's been on, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. I'm really. I'm not sure whether looking like I'm a fan of the Simpsons is good or not. So I'm going to breeze over that one. But uh, what is what's the story? So this is so during The Simpsons, a running gag is that Homer throttles his son Bart and his tongue sticks out and, I don't know, moves in quite a disgusting way, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. It kind of looks like a slice of bacon, yeah. American bacon. Um, anyway, so there was a story a couple of weeks ago that this was going to be taken out. We're now learning it's going to be kept in. And they're going to defy their woke band fears. Esther McVeigh's been all over this. <laughs> and the headline is Homer's running choke. Okay, it's I mean, it's, it's a pretty good pun, that, to be honest. And they've yeah. really, they've managed to hit a lot of weird wokeness with that. If cartoon violence being eradicated is now too woke, that's that's pretty strong from the well, start. Well, Lee Anderson uh, will be making a statement that you can actually, if you put your mind to it, choke a child for as little as 30 pence a week. <laughs> 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 the star have once again excelled themselves. Uh, the story here is O2 Factory uh, paves way to life on Mars. Humans could live on the red planet planet after boffins extracted oxygen from Martian rock. They love the word boffins. And uh, the headline they've gone with is, air we go. Air we go. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that works pretty well. Perfectly reasonable. It explains what's happening. This is also in the star. Brits get teeth into Turkey. Turkey's now the top holiday spot for Brits thanks to its medical tourism industry. And the headline is simply, sun, sea and surgery. I preferred sex, to be honest. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Of all my, of all or the squid. S words, that's probably up yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people go to get BBLs as well. What's I don't, uh, I BBL? Just, I, I know what it is, but I don't actually know what that Brazilian acronym. Brazilian butt lift. That's it. 
Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I know that so well. Yeah. What is but, a Brazilian butt? Is that when someone's got a high ass? One of them? No. So it's more. It's more about um, bringing the waist in. Yes. And bringing the bum out. So I think that you take fat out of certain areas and you put it into other areas. A bit of bone movement as well sometimes because sometimes you need a little bit of rib movement to make the waist smaller. Sure. Um, and then when you're coming back from Turkey, you, you obviously can't sit down if you've had this done. No. So you'll have people who are facing the other way on the seats, facing <laughs> behind because, you know, like... Facing... So they're bum up on the seat. Yeah, well, so they'll be they'll be facing the passenger behind them because they're turned around. So, like, think where... The bum is towards where your TV would normally be. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And your face is at, on the passenger behind. Christ alive. What so do I'm they do allowed. at mealtimes? Yeah. Um, I think... I'd like to think that it's like that parable from the Bible, you know, when they're all helping each other eat in heaven. Oh, that's lovely. I like to think it's like that. The, the person in the seat behind you just... <laughs> reaches over and, mm-hmm. and pops some food in your mouth and, and so it goes on. Yeah. That's lovely. <laughs> That's really lovely. And with the, sorry, just, I don't want to get bogged down in this, but you know when they bring around a, a hot flannel, mm. uh, do they do they just apply that to their new arse? <laughs> um, I think that's probably where you'd want it, wouldn't you? Or perhaps you'd want it cooled. So. so maybe the stewardess comes around and turns the air con on for you just Keep it nice and chill. People getting a new, much bigger ass, do they have to buy two seats on the way back and one on the way there? Well, we're assuming they're going on sort of nice flights where there are hot towels, but what if they're going on Ryanair and they have to put their ass in one of those cages for the bags to oh, measure yeah, it yeah, and yeah. sort of work out the dimensions of what's because allowed? Because Ryanair, if you're bringing an unusually large ass on, you have to pay for that in advance. <laughs> The features are a must-read if you want to either feel really happy or sad about your own life or angry about somebody else's life. In The Telegraph and The Times today, pieces on Jeff Bezos are making me feel both sad and angry. Marcus, can you talk me through the photos of Mr Bezos, which we have first, in which he's really, he's managed to get his bicep in there so prominently, hasn't he? Yeah. So, uh, from this picture in The Telegraph, which is a whole half page, and I you know, I don't know how many people get a physical copy of the Telegraph, but it's still well over an acre. It's like a poster. That's vast. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this is a full half page of Jeff Bezos and his new partner. And um, his arm, the upper part of his arm, is wider than her whole head, which I think is absolutely remarkable. What a vast arm. Now, I... My guess is looking at him that he does go and lift a load of heavy stuff to make that happen, or he goes to Turkey and gets his arm filled with cream or whatever. But you can't see the other arm, so we can't be can't sure if arm. it's just one arm that's large and the other arm is normal. Oh, like one of those crabs? Yeah. With one huge pincer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be that. But I, my theory also is that he is jamming the arm very hard against the side of the seat, which will add a lot of width. But nonetheless... He looks absolutely ripped, and um, she's holding on to him very tight. I'm going to say this. I really, really hope the vehicle they're in isn't moving, because neither of them are wearing a seatbelt. You can see from the way she's draped that the diamond ring uh, that she's wearing is also bigger than her head. Yeah. Um, Which, to be honest, if you're going to get engaged to Jeff Bezos, you would hope for a a big sparkler. Yeah, you'd you? hope for it to be pretty massive. I mean, Ava, on that, what are they What are they saying about Bezos? I mean, one point is that they are saying his engagement was apparently quite low-key, 
But given the size of that ring and where it happened, I don't think that's quite the, the case, is it? Apparently when he opened the box, she blacked out a bit, is what she told Vogue. <laughs> it's a big ring, isn't it? It's a huge ring. Do you think, you know how um, normal people will get a fake ring, like a stand-in ring? Mm. You know, and then they'll put... Yeah, so like... Um, I, I mean this in the best way. This is probably for high budget people. <laughs> this is like when you know this is not friends of mine. I'm just reading about this. Okay. But they'll get like um they get like a fifty thousand pound ring, they'll put that in a safe and then they'll wear a fake ring out and about so it doesn't get stolen. Oh right. And oh, it's like an exact copy. Yeah. So I don't I wonder if she's gonna be wearing a copy. Or she's just going to go... So it's like a 20p machine ring is what you end up wearing if you get bought a million pound ring. Well, you'll get like a beautiful exact copy of it. It just won't be the real diamond. So it means if someone nicks it from you, it doesn't matter. It's in the safe. This is what rich people do. Um, you know, mm. but then maybe... Otherwise, she's going to have to have a proper security guard around with her all the time. Would you want a $2.5 million ring on your finger? I, I, I wouldn't. But maybe if I was married to Jeff Bezos, yeah. Marcus, does anything within this piece actually make... Bezos sound normal because she's saying that he's, no, he's let me goofy. Cut, let me cut you off there and say no. <laughs> no, none of it does. Look, I do think this is important. I think that rich people can fall in love. I think I think that's as fair as I'm willing to be here. I think that rich people can fall in love and that it isn't about money, right? But this is. This is about money. <laughs> Because you know her, and she was with you before. I know her. I know and... her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was, I was her stand-in ring. Um, basically, she—I I don't know. I mean, she's she's head over heels in in something. The Amazon founder was described as the life of the party by Ms. Sanchez, fifty-three. He's just extremely enthusiastic and extremely funny. He can be really goofy. I mean, you've heard him laugh, right? Um, no. I don't think I've ever heard Jeff Bezos no. laugh, no. Unless it's in sort of a demonic way, because, you know, as as we know, the Amazon workers in Coventry are on strike as we speak. Yeah. They're still trying to form their, their recognised union branch. And I imagine he laughs quite demonic. I would think that. it's either... Or... I reckon it's that. It's yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Mr Burns-esque. So we've talked about some very, very not normal people. Now let's talk about some more normal people doing something that isn't maybe a very normal thing to do. The contestants of Naked Attraction. And The Guardian has somehow managed to make this story about going on telly and getting your bits out. Quite, quite boring, haven't they? Yeah, G2. So this is, the, uh, this is the part of the paper where they don't have to be so serious. They're allowed to just sort of let go and run with a with a human interest story like this and examine things. Millions of people have seen me nude. Uh, they've done a sort of literally an expose on Naked Attraction. They've found seven people who've been on it. And, you know, you go into a story like this thinking this will be amazing. But no, um, the Guardian sort of have met up with seven people who were on it, all of whom went, yeah, you know, overall... Um, Good experience. Um, not too bad. My mother didn't watch it. Uh, I've been on it twice, says one of them. Yeah, the song's um, been on it three times, which I find strange. That yeah. they, they're struggling to fill it so much. Unsurprisingly, um, some of the people who go on have a history of being naked. You know, they're, they're naturists or they're on sort of OnlyFans uh, and all that kind of stuff. Um, apart from that, you know, there's, uh, they point out that the show does quite a high degree of safeguarding. 
um, which is you know it's just reassuring well, to on, hear. On that point, so they they point out in the story here that they make sure that no one on screen is really horrible to anyone yes. on screen. Is that completely forgetting the fact that this is a TV show watched by people at home who don't have anyone to the side of them saying, don't be really mean about these people now? So it's just kind of... Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a little bit pointless, isn't it? That's what it's for. I mean, I think it would be really awkward to have Anna Richardson come round to your house and watch it with you while you go, oh my <laughs> God, look at that. It looks like it's turned inside out. Because she she's a genuinely a brilliant host on this program. Mm. She is absolutely brilliant in that she doesn't, she's not squeamish about anything, but she's not over the top about any of it. She will just point at a penis or a, um, a labia and have a good chat about it, you know? Ava, does this sort of story just show us how prudish the Brits are? Because this is meant to be really exciting, and the only thing exciting about it really is that some people got naked, and that's about it. Which is that? Should that be as big a deal as we make it out to be? Should- I don't. I I think that there is like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the population who would never ever go on this program, and I think that there are just nudists who, mm. who do like going on here. Yeah. It's like when you go down to Brighton Beach. Like Brighton is like one of the what, what the more liberal cities in the UK. You will not find the nudists on the normal beach. They're off in a corner, right by the cliffs, because even even Brighton, who likes to burn sage will not be getting nude on the beach. Yeah. Mm. I found it strange going, I went to Berlin and I had to go, I went to a spa once in Berlin and it was, you had to be totally naked in the spa. Really? Yeah, Yeah. because of like the chemicals or whatever in the water and stuff like that. I don't know, you couldn't be wearing anything. And it was both the strangest experience but most normal experience for me ever because everyone was just really normal about it. You'd just be in the shower and there was just like some some random bloke started trying to speak to me in German and I was kind of there sort of thinking, I I don't speak German and my knob is out. I'd rather not chat right now. But he just wasn't um, wasn't all The Altitude Comedy Festival uh, that we run in in Meyerhofen, so all of the punters and all the comedians all stay in the same few hotels and they have the same rule in fact they have a guy called pleasingly called Gunther uh, who stands by the door and sends you back if you come in with anything covering yourself trunk please yeah but you do (laughs) sit uh, with the people who are attending the festival uh, butt naked who've seen you do you know an hour of stand up the night before and sit next to you and go um, I really enjoyed your set last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was in there with uh, with my wife, Rachel Paris, and um, there was like this bloke who's a really big fan of hers and came into the steam room and I think didn't realise until the steam cleared that he, <laughs> that he was sitting with uh, Rachel, who he, he clearly thought was absolutely brilliant, and Rachel's husband, <laughs> both Gosh. completely naked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Most people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thank you to Ava for joining us. Thank you. And thank you to Marcus. My pleasure. Thanks. Remember, we're now out five days a week, and we would be really grateful for your support to carry on making sense of the papers for you every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit. There is no big media owner behind us, and we spend £600 a month on papers alone. So it would be fantastic if you could chip in a little bit to keep paper cuts on the road. For as little as £3 a month, you can get 20 episodes without adverts every month. Support us with a little more, and you can get extended episodes with extra material, plus the coveted paper cuts mugs and t shirts, as occasionally modelled by our panel. Follow the show notes to back.papershirtsco.com, that's B A C K.papercutshow.com, to find out more. Our beloved supporters also get a shout out on the show, and here are some now. All right, hello, and huge thanks to the People's Princess, Holly Larkin. Hello, and a massive thank you to Prince Charming, Daniel Barrett. And thank you to the king of papercuts for today, Jim Brindle. I've been Jacob Jarvis, and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when boffins have discovered that keeping secrets can be good for you. I have a joke about this, but I've promised not to tell it. See you tomorrow. Papercuts was presented by Podmasters Managing Editor Jacob Jarvis with Ava Santina and Marcus Brigstock. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The executive producer was Martin Boytosh. And the producers were Liam Tate, Adam Wright, and me, Alex Reese. Socials by Jess Harpin. Music by Simon Williams. Artwork by Modern Toss and James Parrott. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production.